This episode was uploaded Saturday, February 18th, 2023. And you're listening to episode 22 of the 5x5 Room RPG Podcast. A common challenge for newer game masters is picking which first adventure they should be running at their table. Because creating your own campaign can be an exhausting experience for newer players, many of them elect to choose a pre-made adventure for their first game. So today, Jeremy and I discuss pre-made content, our likes, our dislikes, and why sometimes throwing away well-laid plans may actually be the best choice. The running time for this episode is 27 minutes. Welcome to the 5x5 Room. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Hollis. And today we are talking about pre-mades. So this is a term that we use for a pre-made module, usually. Uh, It is an adventure that has been written and detailed out by someone else that you can use to run for your players. It's generally pretty good if you are uh, short on time or short on creativity. But I think there's a lot of pros and cons that we kind of want to go over, so we're just going to jump right into it. First thing I kind of want to talk about was just some popular pre-mades that we have used. The first one being, uh, well, this isn't going to be a surprise. Back in Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, there was a campaign setting called Expedition to Castle Ravenloft, and we played it a lot. You know, we did play that one a lot. However, I definitely took some significant liberties with how I was running that game. There might be a branching point where we talk about that, perhaps. But yes, we did play that one. I mean, I think we should talk a lot about that because it's a big part of what I want to get into for talking about pre-mades in the first place. But I know that you're running a very similar kind of game right now. Not quite Expedition to Castle Ravenloft. Correct. Right now, my current group that I play with, we are running the Curse of Strahd pre-made campaign, which of course is made for the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition rule set. And... uh, So far, the players seem to be enjoying that campaign setting. We're not very far into it. We just made it to the city of Valaki. And I think that the players are about to really see the world itself open up. They've also had the Fortunes of Ravenloft reading. Well, before we talk more about that, let's kind of dive back into the past a little bit. We're going to set our sights on Expedition to Castle Ravenloft. So this was an old module. It's very big. It has a lot of different information. It details out a few towns. So it's a very big adventure, and it's got a lot of details into it. And this is one of the big reasons why you would rely on a pre-made is because, well, it's kind of hard to write all these details yourself. There's a lot of different NPCs, and they all have their different motivations. There's different areas and different monsters that are all sort of themed together. And it really ties the whole package together, being able to have this book to rely on. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Taking Liberties. So one of the things that I remember most from our time playing Expedition to Castle Ravenloft, which was run by Hollis here, is there was this monster called the Shambling Mound. And the Shambling Mound is a pretty classic D&D monster, but we were pretty, this is in our very early D&D years when we were playing this. And so none of us really knew at the time what it was. And Hollis starts describing it, and all of us got in our heads that this was like a giant colossal sized creature that was like a walking island of sorts that we had to like climb on top of to be able to do anything to it and it was like shadow of the colossus style boss fight that we were experiencing 
and it was not at all what the creature actually was. But it was really memorable and exciting. I actually have to give direct credit to Shadow of the Colossus because when I was at that section of the expedition to Custer Ravenloft, that is the first thing that I'd thought of. In short, it came out to be, I just wanted it to be really epic. I wanted that event because it was supposed to be for a significant moment within the campaign based on how it was written. I wanted the enemy to be bigger than what they were presenting instead of following those rules so closely and wind up limiting myself in terms of what I was trying to create that the party would enjoy. And as a result, we loved it. I mean, we all know what a Champagne Mound is now, and they're not that big, and they don't require us to climb on top of them. But it doesn't overwrite that memory and how fun and engaging it was at the time. And it sort of underlies a point that I'm getting at here. I think when you have a pre-made, it's very important that you don't have to read everything by the book. You don't have to do every little thing and follow every little guide. And if you have like a cool idea, what a great opportunity to just inject that cool idea. Or if the players even just have a misunderstanding, what a great time to embrace that misunderstanding and just let it become part of the canon. Even though pre-mades give you a lot of really neat options directly in your face, kind of prepared for you to make it easier, I think it's a really good idea, and I've, obviously Jeremy shares this sentiment, to do a few things to make it your own. To add a little bit of spice that you know the party's going to enjoy that allows you to deviate a bit from the source material. I think that's a really great idea. Have you had any insights that have come across from running the Ravenloft that you're doing? The biggest insight is that it actually is a lot. A lot. Which I think goes to show exactly the undertaking that any DM is going to have in designing their own campaign. With a few caveats. For example, if I was designing my own campaign, I would leave a lot of things sort of open-ended so that I could modify them and change them on the fly based on what the party's decisions were. So I didn't find myself bottlenecked by very specific decisions to happen in a very specific way. But it's a huge undertaking to look at the way things are sort of already parsed out and segmented out to have this understanding of if X happens, the players will encounter Y. Whereas when I'm designing... Anything is open. Any of their choices are open. And I can use any amount of DM wand waving to end up at the point where I think they need to go or that they're trying to go. I don't want to get into spoilers since uh, we might have some of your players listening to us. But have there been any instances thus far that have happened where you kind of took creative liberties? Absolutely. The, the big one I think so far has been during their first initial entrance into Barovia. If you go back and look at 3.5's version of Expedition to Castle Ravenloft, there's this scene where when the players first enter Barovia, and of course for that book, Barovia is meant to be the central hub, they encounter a paladin named Ashlyn who's defending herself against a horde of undead that are basically encroaching on the town center. In Curse of Strahd, this does not exist. But I wanted a really good way so that when the players first got to the lands of Barovia, they really felt, oh, Everything is terrible here. The undead are walking the streets. People are being harmed. In fact, they're so scared. They're all clamoring in the tavern, doing their best to survive and, and make their way out of whatever the heck is going on right now in the city. And that scene, that element from Expedition to Castle Ravenloft, because I remember it stuck with my players so memorably in the past, I definitely wanted that as an element in the Curse of Strahd book, even though that's not present. Yeah, I really did think in Expedition, it set the stage. And it... It set the stage not just to say, hey, there's zombies, and hey, 
it's dark setting and there's no sunlight. It also set the stage to say, we're the heroes that are here to change it because we show up when there's danger happening and we stop it from happening. And if we wouldn't have been there, who knows what would have happened? Exactly. Exactly. Making the players actually feel like their presence is making a significant difference. This is a great segue. So thank you for all of that. We have a lot of very, very nice things to say about Expedition Castle Ravenloft. There was another pre-made that we tried quite a few times called War of the Burning Sky. This is a very popular 3.5 module. It was like a fan-created one that uh, over time, like it, it grew in popularity. They like did a print version of it. It was really, really beloved by a lot of people. And we had a much harder time getting into War of the Burning Sky. If I were to say why, I think it's because we tried a little too hard to play it by the book. And very often it felt like we were the cameramen of this television show. As the player characters, our job was to carry the camera from scene to scene to watch things happen. But we never really felt like we were contributing. And a lot of that was contributed to how the actual campaign itself had been written. I know for a fact that that campaign was written for an earlier version of Dungeons & Dragons, I want to say maybe 3.0 or 3.5, and had been converted, at least the version we had played, had been converted to 4th edition. And that was the version we were attempting to play with. I think that campaign, as good as other people might say it is, unfortunately, it really wasn't for our table. And if I had to pick a reason why, I think it was the lack of flexibility available from the materials provided in the game. Right in the beginning of the game, there's an entire chase sequence where quite literally the book makes it clear these characters will get away. These bad guys will get away. And because they we... show up again in chapter 13 or whatever. Exactly. And Jeremy, I feel like we've talked about this before on a previous yeah. episode. With villains, you you can try your best to let them get away, but don't depend on it because players, oh my goodness, do they hate when someone runs from them. They will fight tooth and nail you could tell a player directly that the enemy they are facing is eight levels higher than them with an entire set of spills that will ruin them with a single cast and they will not give up they will still think that there is a way to stop this bad guy i'm pretty confident in that campaign my character jumped from a three or four story window trying to stop someone who was flying away from us absolutely absolutely I was willing to have my character die if it meant stopping them. You just get, you know, you see red when you're a player. It's true. One of the issues that we find with pre-made campaigns, often they're designed in a way so that, yes, the players are, are meant to be the centerpiece, but like a game you would design, Jeremy, the world is sort of happening around them, even though their presence can alter and change things. The negative is, is that the book is depending on so many things happening that are on those pieces of paper that it's really hard to get out of bounds in a way that makes sense. And once you're so far off book, it's really hard to reel it back in to get back on track. Yeah, I think it's important to once again note, like these are extremely talented, well thought out stories that are being told in these modules, but they can't possibly understand everything that's going to be an idea for every single player at the table. They can't possibly know that. There's no way. Effectively, what you find yourself in the situation of is, okay, well, how can I convert what my players are doing into something that is at least vaguely in the terms of what's happening in this pre-made adventure? So I was going to talk about my philosophy when it comes to running a pre-made. 
I have this this style that I've gone with before. I've run pre-mades at like conventions and uh, just even for friends occasionally. This works much better for like a one shot or like a short adventure than it does for say Hollis in his uh, Ravenloft game currently. <laughs> Uh, because my advice is take the module and just read it cover to cover and then throw it away. This way, you know the gist of everything and anything that your brain missed or if you connected some dots that really weren't supposed to be connected, who cares? That's what the adventure is now. And you can just run it off the cuff without having to like put too much in it. Obviously, you don't have to really throw it away. You can you know keep it on hand for like encounter notes or if you need to refresh on something. But I think that a lot of new GMs will have a pre-made and they'll just sit it next to them and they'll go, okay, moving on to page three. Okay, moving on to page four. And I don't think that's a good way to run a pre-made. You should try to get it into your head and understand it in a way that makes sense to you and then just run it like you would any other game. One of the hardest things that you'll find as a dungeon master, game master, is going to be trying to get those improv chops Pre-mades give you a huge advantage in that you have a lot of details already scripted out, if you will, already planned for you to take from the book and apply to your game. However, if you read ahead, if you know the direction things are going to be going, well, it makes it all that much more easier to actually try to plan around that with flexibility. You don't necessarily have to stick so rigidly to those pages. You can say, okay, I know ultimately they're going to end up at the court of a high monk that sits on this council. And if I know they're going to be ending up there at this city talking to this monk, I may not need to have XYZ quests as they've been listed here be the things and the tasks that the players have to complete. Instead, maybe I provide other breadcrumbs. The end result will be the same. They will still get to talk to this high monk. They will still be able to have an audience with him and discuss the major plot points at hand. But it gives me the option to inject things that the players themselves want to see more often into the game. Yeah, the important thing to take in when you're doing these reads is if there's major NPCs, you want to understand who they are and what their motivations are. And if there's any kind of specific threats out there, you want to know like in what situation should they appear and like how dangerous do they need to be. And then you can kind of play around with stuff and just move it where it makes sense at the time. If you understand a villain's motivations, you can kind of you don't need to read a script. You can assume what they would probably say in a specific situation. My question, Jeremy, to you would be, what would you say to players that have a large fear about going off book so heavily? I would say, uh, similar to my uh, second part of my advice, throw the book away. I think at some point you've just got to take the training wheels off. Look, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to have a mediocre time and your friends are going to go, oh, cool. But I mean, <laughs> who cares? Like, what? what's the big deal? It's not like you're ruining anyone's life over this game. You're trying your best. And if you're running the game, you're already putting forth like way more effort than the other people at the table are. So I feel like there are no place to complain if you're not doing a perfect job of ad-libbing on your first time DMing. I think it's not often stated enough, but sometimes just simply going with the direction the party wants to go and making it up as you get there can lead to some truly amazing moments. Some of the best moments I've ever had at a tabletop session did not come from a pre-made book, did not come from hours and hours of planning and design, but came from just organically listening to my party, letting them sort of act the way they want to act, and then watching the repercussions lead to new interesting outcomes that I let hit me like a lightning bolt. 
One player makes a single mistake, lightning bolt. That's a really neat idea. The next player chimes in, lightning bolt. That's another neat idea. And eventually, before you know it, you have actual magic at the table created by both you and your players. And it didn't come from all of your planning. It didn't come from the book that you read before that evening. But since we are talking about premates here, let's talk about some of the positives of using a premate, especially if you are a new game master. You should probably start with a premade. I think it's a great idea to kind of get your chops, learn just sort of the rules of how a story needs to be told, kind of getting used to the structure of how to organize these campaigns. It's just a good idea to get things started. If you're brand new, pick up one. Once again, I still say give it a good thorough read and then set it to the side. But by all means, give it a shot. It gives you a great framework of how you should look at designing your own game. Not that I think that when you design your own campaign, it needs to follow these strict rules, these strict directions, similar to what pre-mates try to do, but it gives you an idea of how you flesh out a community in the city, how you flesh out a big bad, how you flesh out interesting NPCs the players are going to interact with. Having that as a good foundation allows you to build upon the things that really make your campaign come to life. Also, as a small spoiler, it's usually the NPCs. This is also a good way to see how this information is organized, however they put these NPCs together and what they think the important things to note for those NPCs are, so that when you're making your own NPCs or your own campaigns, you can kind of use it as a framework. The last thing I'd also add is that a difficulty for me in campaign design has always been, how do I make unique artifacts and unique items that can push the story forward, are important to the players, and are things that they really can cherish? What I see often in these pre-made campaigns is that the relics, the artifacts, these special items and weapons and other gear that they provide tend to have a lot of personality. Use those. Steal them if you have to. And try to make these really cool things that you can give your players so that you can have a really rewarding experience when they sit down at the table. Items is a really good one, but I was even also going to say monsters. One of the things that you might run into as a new game master is like, okay, well, we fought kobolds for the umpteenth time. We need something new. Well, when you buy this module, this pre-made module that has Expedition to Castle Ravenloft or the new Ravenloft book, hey, guess what? Here's a lot of pre-made encounters. They're all going to be dynamic. They're all going to be in theme. So they all make sense. It's not just like, hey, look, Kobold showed up here again. Like, guess what? We've got these zombies and they're here. And oh, now there's not zombies here. Maybe this other area has like some wolves that you have to fight. And it'll kind of define what your characters are going through in those areas. I was also thinking... A pre-made can also function as a pretty good sandbox. There's pre-made campaign modules, which is mostly what we've been talking about. But a lot of times you also see something called like a campaign setting. Setting books usually don't have a plot. They usually have like plot hooks or plot threads. And so they will just detail out like maybe a city or a country or a world. And it'll tell you, okay, here's some major locations. Here's some major NPCs. But they're not going to tell you the artifact of so-and-so was stolen and the player characters need to rescue it. They're just going to say, okay, there is an artifact of so-and-so. And you as a GM can decide, okay, well, maybe it'd be a cool adventure if like this thing got stolen and the players have to find it. It gives you a sandbox so that way you can make your own adventure without having to think up all of these NPCs and their personalities and how they look and how they talk and also this city and everything that's in it and the name of the tavern. As you were listening to Jeremy describe these things, if you thought for a moment, man, that's a lot of things to consider, well, you're correct. This is actually one of the most difficult parts behind designing your own campaign, which, by the way, we will be discussing in a future episode. 
We're going to get into the negatives now. This might be positive for some people, but one of uh, the bigger negatives for me, there was a pre-made that uh, a friend of mine was running once, and in it, we kind of like got a house. There was like a manor that we acquire, and when we got it, we can kind of do what we will with it. Oh, we're going to, you know, we can change this room, and oh, this will be my bedroom, and so on and so forth, and it was going to be our base of operations. And while that was happening, some of the other players were like, oh, look, people online have like made 3D models of this of this manor and have printed out this manor and look at all these maps of the manor because like everyone has had this manor as their base. And I know for some people that might be really cool because it's like a shared experience. But I guess for me, it almost hit me in like, a, oh, this like lost all of its specialness all of a sudden for for a minute. This was like my home for my character. But then all of a sudden it became, oh, this is kind of like a lot of people's homes. And I kind of started to like feel disconnected from the whole thing. It's one of the bigger issues when you have a campaign setting or campaign guide. It's going to be used by a large number of people. The experiences at your table are going to be unique. But you have to remember, for a lot of players, it's going to be presented to them in very similar ways. Yeah, it, to me, this makes total sense. And that does kind of remove some of the magic of it. Yeah, and I, I think I'm just spoiled because we do a lot of, like, homebrew stuff. Almost every game that Hollis has run for us has been, like, his own creation outside of Ravenloft. Like, usually, he's making up his own things. I, we have great friends that have been running homebrew campaigns for years. And, like I said, I'm, I'm spoiled. When I think back on all of the adventures and the things that I've experienced through my games... Very rarely would I look back on like a pre-made and think, oh, do you remember that time so-and-so? Uh, but for all the homebrew games, like, oh my gosh, I have so many memories, so many things. And yeah, just as you said it, that's a big negative of pre-mades. You can try your best to make changes to the pre-made and to make it your own, to add unique details that are unique to you and your table. But the fact remains, going off book very heavily does make it difficult to return back to the book. So the difficulty you're going to have is, okay, maybe you do want to indulge your party. Maybe they have some unique ideas for where they want to go in the campaign. But when you start to deviate heavily, well, how do you get them routed back to the big bad? Or the angry shaman that's upset because you couldn't save a sick elk? I feel like in a homebrew game, I mean, it's still difficult, but it's a little easier to sort of sweep some leaves over those railroad tracks you can make the players really feel like it's their own decisions that are guiding them when all the while you're like, well, you know, I've been feeding you guys this information. But in a pre-made, I feel like I very often start to see those rails. I start to realize that I'm just here on the Disneyland ride and that I can uh, ooh or ah or close my eyes or play on my phone and we're still going to reach the end of the ride regardless. Another negative I have is the prep and how it's very different. In my own campaign, because I spent a lot of time, just like you, Jeremy, theorizing, thinking about what I want to do in the future. We, we even mentioned when we go running sometimes, we'll think about the things in our games and how we want to improve them or change them or modify them to be interesting. Right. Well, unfortunately, in a pre-made, it's very difficult to do this because that sandbox that's provided has a series of constraints or restraints that prevent me from really going outside the box a lot of the time. You can think about, like, what are the players going to do when they encounter this thing that's already what they're going to encounter? And you can kind of think of, okay, well, are they going to take path A or path B? But I think when you're thinking about it from a homebrew perspective, you're almost thinking of 
what in the world are the players going to do and how am I going to react to that? And maybe to some people that's intimidating, but for me, it's exciting. It is exciting. You had mentioned a concept of, okay, if this village A is on fire, but the players want to go to village B, well, surprise, they may not know it, but village A is now village B and it is also on fire. Oh, yeah. There, there will be an identical burning village in any direction the players look. If they dig underground, it'll be an underground burning village. If they fly into the sky, it'll be a floating burning village. <laughs> because that's what the book says. And to some degree, it's a lot easier, right, to have all of this made for your own campaign. And so you know, I have all these well-made plans for what happens when they get to the city. So if they want to go to a different city, well, then I guess the issues plugging the underwater city are the same issues they're going to be plugging the floating city, just maybe not the underwater bits. Right. Right. Maybe instead of evil fish, they're evil birds. Right. That's the that's the primary difference. But when you have a pre-made campaign, the difficulty in prep there is, okay. I've got so many events. I've got so many specific things that I'm expecting to interfere with the party's plans. And depending on their choices, all of these things could be very relevant for how they interfere with the party. They're less freeform. So for me, it feels like there's a lot more memorization required. Whereas before, in my own games, I can lean more heavily into the improv and the sort of copy-paste in the direction the players want to go. I think our one of our biggest takeaways here is don't be afraid to break the rules. And we talk about this in tabletop gaming in general, but especially in a pre-made. Like if it says this bad guy gets away and the player characters are chasing him with just murderous fervor, let them have it for God's sakes, especially if they make the rolls. In the same regard, if the players decide to go off book, let them and just start making stuff up. And if you can pull them back around, you know, good on them. Do you got anything else you want to add about pre-made solace? I truly do feel for the DM that's trying to walk the tightrope of having enough flexibility to do interesting, unique things that are going to appeal very much to their party and to themselves, but also try to follow the restraints and rules given as a result of the campaign guide or the pre-made campaign. However, I feel as though the same rules we preach time and time again on our cast about the best ways that you can make your party happy and you happy as a DM, I think they'll still hold true. Listen to your party. And pay attention. Watch what they are liking and what they aren't liking. At the end of the day, the people that you're playing with at your table are still going to be effectively the best gauge for whether or not the game that they're playing is enjoyable. So pay attention. If the rails that you're playing on don't seem to be that fun, well, it's up to you and those players to actually go off the rails and to make it interesting. I couldn't have put it better myself. And if you're a new game master looking to run something, grab a pre-made, give it a read, and give it a shot. But on that note, I think we're going to call it for today. Thank you again for listening, and have a good night. I look forward to see what you guys homebrew in your own sessions. See you soon.